Our passage for today comes from Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33. It's a familiar passage um, for many of us, and so I'm not really going to give it a huge amount of lead-in other than to encourage you, if you have a Bible near you, if you were able to download our PDF off of the uh, website, or if um, you would just like the scripture to wash over you, um, let's just turn our attention together onto what the Spirit is speaking to us through the scripture passage today. This is uh, Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side where he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed the crowd, he went up onto a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Friends, if you will, let's pray together. God, as we come to your scripture seeking your truth, we pray that you will reveal it to us, that you will give us the gift of wisdom to be able to discern your voice clearly. We pray that you will give us the gifts of preaching, the gifts of hearing, that together we might come to a fuller understanding of your heart and your character. We pray that all of the distractions or all of the anxieties, all of the things that seem to be unresolved, will just wait their turn while we turn our whole attention onto you. We pray alongside Joan of Arc. If we are in your truth, God, then keep us here. And if we are not in your truth, Lord, then put us there. So we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. When I was in middle school, my parents took me with them to Maui to visit their best friends, Cliff and Dottie, who usually lived in a neighboring town to us, but who spent the whole of their summers in Hawaii. Dottie was from North Dakota, but Cliff, he was a native Southern Californian who grew up surfing and swimming and lifeguarding. And I think that that was how that summer that we visited, 
he ended up being voluntold by his wife to take me snorkeling. So one afternoon, Cliff and I waved goodbye to my parents and to Dottie, who were sitting comfortably under uh, some shady trees that were near the beach. And we trudged straight down from them into the clear water below us. Now, I made pretty sure that I was close to Cliff the entire time that we were snorkeling, popping my head out of the water every minute or so to make sure that I had a sense of where he was. We hadn't said it out loud, but we both knew what our jobs were. It was my job to not get too far away from him, and it was his job to not lose his best friend's kid. Besides, from wanting to not be lost into the ocean, I really can't see for any distance without contacts or glasses on, and so I wasn't really going to take any chances. I focused all of my energy on the very experiences that were in front of me. I kept water out of my snorkel. I wasn't panicking at the sound of my own breath in the mask. I was really trying to catch sight of all the wildlife I could in the water below me, all while making sure that I could always sense that Cliff was nearby. After about 10 minutes of snorkeling, Cliff got my attention. Turns out that the water was a little too choppy to make him feel confident that he could keep up his end of the bargain. And so we headed back to land. As we both walked back up to the shore toward Dottie and my parents, we realized that we were walking to an empty beach. After looking around for a couple of seconds, I looked at Cliff to lead the way, only to find him staring right back at me. What direction should we go in? He asked me. Shocked that he was asking me anything, I said, well, I don't know. I can't see anything beyond you. To which he said, what? You're young. He said, I don't have my glasses on. I can't see anything either. It's funny how it had never occurred to either of us that by doing the jobs that we had committed ourselves to doing and not losing one another, we would lose our bearings completely. Oddly, we didn't go snorkeling again on that trip. <laughs> but it occurred to me this week how incredible it is that even when we have our attention focused exactly where it should be, the circumstances that surround us can still sweep us away in directions that we never intended to go. It's a sentiment that I think the disciples can sympathize with in our scripture for today. Here they are doing exactly what Jesus had asked them to do. Verse 22 says that Jesus made them get into the boat and leave the crowds of people that had followed all of them to where they were. Which, by the way, is also really good direction for us today in the world of a pandemic. Remember? You are safer at home. Leave the crowds to Jesus. In our passage, the Greek makes it clear that the disciples, they didn't have a choice in this situation. They were all but forced to get into that boat. They were compelled to go by Jesus. And now the disciples had never said it out loud. 
But we get a sense that the disciples see it as their job to linger near shore, to wait for Jesus to join them. After all, he was their leader, their teacher, their friend. We get the sense that the disciples are trying to make the boat hover in place over that lake because they want to stay within a reasonable distance of Jesus so that they can get to Jesus once they can catch sight of him again. But the Galilean Sea wasn't known for being predictable or cooperative. The weather on the water could change in minutes. And the scripture says that their boat was soon battered by the waves. In the book of Mark, he describes this same scene as an adverse wind, but the Greek really makes a much bigger deal out of it, saying that the boat was literally tortured, tormented, and harassed by those winds. One commentator notes that the first century audience would probably hear that sentence a little differently than we do today because they had a deep terror of what the world looked like when water is being unleashed from its boundary. We read this scene much like how we would see Forrest Gump and Lieutenant Dan trying to keep the shrimp boat up and upright in the face of that massive storm. But to ancient hearers, they would have heard Noah and the ark in this story. So the disciples are fighting against the waters that are pummeling them. They are pushing them further, that are pushing them further and further away from Jesus, that are threatening their lives. They are giving it all that they have throughout the entire night. And so understandably, they're afraid. Understandably, they're exhausted. Understandably, they are worried that they have lost Jesus forever. Perhaps it isn't really surprising then, given their state of exhaustion and of worry, that they don't recognize Jesus when he is walking right at them. Perhaps it isn't surprising that in all of the chaos that is the circumstances of their lives in that moment, they mistake the very real man of Jesus for just a phantom. You know, it would be really funny if it weren't so terrifying that whenever people in the Bible have a very legitimate reason to be afraid, God tells them through one person or another to fear not. The angel says, fear not to Mary when she finds out that she's pregnant with Jesus. A young man in white says, fear not to the women who will come to the empty tomb. The resurrected Jesus says, fear not to that group of women as they leave the tomb. It turns out that there is absolutely nothing more terrifying than when God is engaged in the most transformative, life-giving work. And so maybe that explains why God is really committed to humanity choosing to look through our fear 
so that we will not miss what God is doing. When we are the most afraid is when the most miraculous movement of God is happening right in front of us. Our passage today is one of those fear not passages that we were just talking about. It says that when the disciples see Jesus walking toward him, they were terrified. They did not recognize him and they cried out in fear to which Jesus replies by identifying himself. And mind you, he identifies himself not by saying like, hey, you dummies, it's me, Jesus. What are you getting so upset about? He identifies himself by saying two words simply, I am. Like the God in the burning bush, I am. In other words, Jesus says to them, I am. Here, it's me. And then he says, fear not. As though to say, don't miss what's happening right in front of you, my friends. My friends, don't miss me standing right here. The very thing that you were the most afraid of, of losing me, of me being distant, of you being lost on your own, is not the case. Do not fear. I am right here. And you got to love him. True to form, Peter, he doesn't fear, sort of. As one commentator puts it, she says, when confronted with the inexplicable reality of a God who controls nature with his toes, Peter does the inexplicable. He asks to meet Jesus in the tumult. Scripture does not say that Jesus calms the sea in order to make Peter's steps easier. Far from it. In fact, it is that persistent, relentless, continuous harassing wind that frightens Peter once again and causes him to sink. It's really tempting to make a lesson out of Peter here. And many do. Good lessons. Worthy lessons. But today, what strikes me about this passage today isn't Peter. It isn't what the disciples are doing or not doing. It isn't what faith Peter is exhibiting or not exhibiting. Today, I am reminded that the disciples are doing exactly what Jesus has asked them to do. And then some. Not only do they get in the boat as they are told, but they battle the wind throughout the night. Peter not only goes off into that boat, but when he identifies Jesus, he steps out of the boat into that wind, even though it scares him. From the place where I'm coming to this scripture passage for today, I don't think that we can rightfully expect very much more from Peter and the disciples. I don't think they're deserving of our criticism today. Which is why it strikes me, what strikes me the most about this passage today isn't Peter or the disciples. What strikes me the most about this passage is Jesus. It strikes me that Jesus sent them away from the crowds 
and spared the disciples from the demands that comes with dismissing thousands of people. Jesus did that on his own so that they wouldn't have to. It strikes me that Jesus put them in a boat instead, that Jesus put them in the place that a group of fishermen that they were would feel comfortable and familiar even in challenging circumstances. It strikes me that even though the wind had battered and beat them and pushed them far off course, farther away from where they wanted to be, Jesus still found them. It strikes me that even though they did their best not to lose sight of Jesus, that Jesus never lost sight of them. Even though they were afraid of these circumstances that were so chaotic, that were so uncontrollable, that were pushing them away from the places where they really wanted to be, even though they were afraid of the wind, afraid of the chaos, afraid of the unknown future, Jesus was not. My friends, we are in a time where chaos has broken loose and pulled us, pulled us off of the course of our lives. We were doing the things that we thought we were being told to do, keeping to our work schedules, keeping to our school schedules, paying our bills, showing up when we needed to show up, being there for the people who needed us most. We were doing what we were supposed to do, but the circumstances that surround us have pulled us far off course. And it might be that for some of us, we fear that in the chaos of these currents, we are being swept far away from Jesus. It might be for others of us that because we feel like we are out on our own, that any thought of Jesus is more like a phantom or an illusion or a concept rather than a living risen man. Particularly in those times where we have tried our hardest to keep this in our sights, it can be really easy for us to forget that it's not reliant upon us because Jesus never loses sight of us. Just when we fear that we will be overwhelmed, Jesus takes on that larger burden. I don't know where our scripture meets you in your life this week. I don't know if you have already dismissed Jesus as a phantom or if you're still afraid that Jesus is far off. I don't know if you are trying to hover your boat in the middle of all of the chaos, pretending like you can stop it. All I know that there is absolutely nothing that can stop Jesus getting to you or to me. Not the raging waters, not the blustering winds, not far distances, not blindness, not deafness, not anything. If you find yourself this week tossed and turned and beaten back by the waves, 
then remember that Jesus knows exactly where you are. And in the face of your fear, if we just open our eyes, we will see him standing there. Friends, as we go into our lives this week, maybe not out into the world, but as we go into our lives, trying to be the people who exhibit love and light wherever we are, remember that you don't have to do it alone. That Jesus is there right alongside you. That there are places where you have been spared and there are places where you will be challenged. And in all of them, Jesus will walk right up to you and say, hey, I am, fear not. I'm going to encourage you in the comments today to just drop a line. What are the things that are standing out to you in your life that are causing you fear? What are the things that you could use some extra prayer on, some support on? Where are the places where you see Jesus speaking to you, maybe in an unfamiliar or an unexpected form, but where nonetheless, Jesus is meeting you in the midst of the chaos? Let me pray for us. I invite you to have your prayers join us in the comments and let us continue to worship God together. God, we are grateful that you continue to meet us, that you do not leave us, that you find us in even the most incredible of circumstances, the most chaotic of situations. We pray, Lord, that we will be people who share that news with those who need to hear it most, with those who are afraid, who are anxious, who are angry, who have given up, who have left things and never plan to pick them up again. God, please continue to gather us into your arms and may we be the people who stare into the face of fear, look through it and see you peering right back at us. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.